0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Force Sensitive. This is episode five. This is supposed to be a classic, remembered for years and years and years. We're following the Star Wars tradition. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out. I got my co-host with me. I got Gort in the house. Hey, how's it going? And we have our guest, Michael, who you may not know from anywhere because he's a friend of Gort's. But that's the beauty of this show, is introducing new voices and new perspectives into kind of the little niche we've carved out for ourselves. So Michael, how are you?
1: I'm fine. How about yourself?
0: Quite well. Quite well. Booked and busy, you know what I mean? But quite well. Yeah. Um, So let's just get right into it. What is your first memory of Star Wars?
1: So my first memory of Star Wars would be when I was living in Kentucky the first time and my parents had the... VHSs of Star Wars, you know the old black box where all three VHSs were in, and watching them nonstop. And my oldest sister complaining to me that I watched Star
0: Wars too much. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: What 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 age and year do you think this is?
1: Oh, uh, let's see here. So that would be probably around like nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety five. Okay, so, a so little... I'm about six or seven years old.
0: A little later in the game than, than yeah than us. And how? Were, were, was it love at first sight, or was there any sort of like growing into it, or how did that...
1: So, I think uh, being a kid, still like six or seven years old, and this is going to sound really funny, uh, my favorite episode was probably Return of the Jedi, because, you know, little fluffy things. Uh, <laughs> and,
0: and fun, <laughs> really, uh, fun creatures.
1: Uh, <laughs> yes, they. Uh, that's what really got me into Star Wars, and then as I got older, I started to appreciate the other two films, and then, you know, the uh, prequels came out, and then it kind of just got... Even more of an obsession from there.
0: <laughs> did um, did you see the Ewok movies as a kid? I did not see the Ewok movies. Oh, as that's a, kid. a bummer. Since you were kind of into <laughs> them. Yup,
1: yup. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. And Dude. then um, Gordon don't, has don't, always don't. told me to avoid the Christmas special, so I've never even watched it. So <laughs> it, it
0: it's funny. I've yes. never watched it either. I've never watched really? it either. Yep, yep. It's a fact. <laughs> Okay.
1: I have
2: sat through that whole thing more than once. It is an atrocity. And one of my good friends, he used to do it annually. Like that was a tradition for him. And I don't know how he can stomach it, but it's, it's rough.
0: What, um, you know, speaking of the Ewoks, I had this little thing when I was a kid, it just came to me like in a memory. It was like this, like, um, I I don't know. They were like, they were in eighties, play toy that... I mean, they had them for tons of franchises. I just happened to have an Ewok one that I think was based on the Ewok cartoon that I also never saw. I never saw droids either. But it was like a green circle. And at the center of the green circle was a cylindrical tube that connected to a smaller green circle. And you would sit with your legs around this tube in like kind of Indian style or what my kids call crisscross applesauce or pretzel style. And you would spin it by spinning the top circle, and it would spin the bottom circle, and it was like mm-hmm. a uh, like a carousel almost, but like a single single player unit. Do you familiar with what I'm talking about? That the, the the yeah, I had one with the Ewoks. I'm going to have to find a picture of it. I might use it as a thumbnail for something. But um, that's like my biggest memory of the Ewoks as a kid. Like uh, was that I, I played it on that thing all the time for for better or worse. So, so bizarre. <laughs> thing for a child to just be like sitting in the corner spinning himself if you like think about it kind of in hindsight um but anyway neither here nor there so uh, you're you're watching these films during the kind of kenner transition to hasbro you know power of the force stuff did you get into any of that stuff as a kid being as you're being introduced to him and the toys are readily available
1: no uh well because i'm because i grew up in that you know that 90s era I love Star Wars, but really started taking over my world as toys was probably Pokemon. So, right,
0: right, no right, offense, right. Star
1: Wars, Pokemon kind of dominated my life next to Star
0: Wars as a kid. Right, no, that, that I mean that makes sense. That makes sense. My kids are super into it, also. Um, I learned about all the legendary ones recently. They give me little little breakdowns. So, you never really became a uh, a collector of Star Wars stuff as uh, throughout your life, or just when you were a kid. Um.
1: Probably not as a kid. I have some stuff now. Like I read I read some of the new canon, like with Thrawn and all that stuff. So I have the, the books. I have some of the uh figurines that have come with my video games. So like, you know, Gort and I both played the old Republic and I still have my sure. Malgus statue sitting next to my computer. So you know. I you know, I have stuff like that. But as for going out and, you know, buying toys and stuff from probably not so much i have random star wars shirts so like when i get dressed down days at school because i'm a teacher uh-huh. i'll wear my periodic table shirt of star wars villains just to make my kids laugh so I got you. <laughs> that gets a little rise out of them
0: so it wasn't too long after you got that's that's kind of an interesting perspective for me to like contemplate that it's like it's not too long after you see the original trilogy that like the prequels are just lined up waiting for you to consume as well right that's bizarre. And, That's bizarre for, for me where there's like this like 20 year gap. Right. I, I wonder, like, i wonder. wondering, like, uh, there's no way for me to even know it. There's no way for you, you to even articulate it. I don't think for me to really understand what that was like to just have this like constant bombardment of six Star Wars films in the first 10 years of your life. But
1: uh, well, I think what it's interesting is my, my parents were teenagers when the first Star Wars movies came out. So I, I think my dad really enjoyed how reasonably excited I was to see the prequel movies. I was like 10, so I wanted to see, you know, 10, 13 years old and wanted to go see prequel movies. He's like, I've been waiting 30 years for these things. You know, he was was excited that I wanted to see them. So I think that's what even made me love Star Wars even more is the fact that my dad loved Star Wars when I was a teenager. He's like, yeah, let's go. It's like the first time I've ever seen him like gung-ho to go see a movie with me.
0: (laughs) So as a 10-year-old, how does the Phantom Menace sit with you upon first okay. watching?
1: So when I saw it as a 10 year old, I absolutely loved it. Cause I was like, man, I finally get to see star Wars on the big screen. Like that was my, I loved seeing everything on the big, I loved Darth Maul as a villain. Right. Uh, I loved seeing, you know, cause when you watch, uh, a new hope and you watch the lightsaber battles, like the lightsaber fades out on the screen. Cause it's, you know, old school CGI, uh, But actually seeing, like, lightsaber battles so the lightsaber stays the entire time. Better choreographed fights because the acting's better. I loved it. I loved Mm -hmm. every second of it as a kid.
0: How did uh, Jar Jar sit with you as a (laughs) 10-year-old?
1: I hated Jar Jar from the (laughs) get-go. Really? See, because, (laughs) I mean... He uh, uh, he annoyed the living daylights out of me. (laughs) Because, I mean,
0: unfortunately, like, you're kind of... You know, you're where that net was cast. You know what I'm saying? Um, And it it didn't resonate with you... uh, and I mean, I, dude. I mean, I've talked about it a little bit on the show before. How the kind of extent I've gone to to kind of explain that character in, in my head mm-hmm. canon throughout my my fandom. Uh, but I do find it interesting, like just the the overwhelming amount of merchandise and marketing and everything else that went into that character to kind of capture your demographic, and it totally mm-hmm. missed. And instead, what appealed to you was the same thing that appealed to me uh, in that marketing, which was mole. Right? Huh.
1: And I think what's really interesting is where I get into the Clone Wars show is I feel like that, you know, that Cartoon Network Clone Wars show actually kind of painted Jar Jar in a more reasonable light than the movies actually did. It's like, oh, okay, so he seems he's not as annoying. He's actually doing things for a purpose. He's still clumsy and goofy, but he is actually... um, And I guess that's a benefit of having a six-season-long TV show is that you can develop a character more than a a two-and-a-half-hour movie can.
0: (laughs) Well, he also looked like... You know, he seems culturally, like, independent from the rest of the Gungans, even in The Phantom Menace. You know, he seems by like an mm-hmm. idiot by their standards, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, but then they, would you agree, yeah. Gort? Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: I, I think that he's definitely, like, the buffoon of his people. But something that made him uh, easier to digest in the show, he was um, definitely not liked by his peers, like, 3PO had no interest in this character, right. and the Jedi, Mace Windu, he had a team-up with him at uh, one point later in the series, and Mace just was not having it, but I, I feel like that's kind of fun. Like, the other characters are kind of like the viewer. Like, we all just don't like this guy.
1: Huh. I mean, yeah. let's be honest, though, seeing him imitate being a Jedi was amusing on multiple was,
0: levels. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so so then uh, the next thing for you would be the clone, like, the attack of the clones. Yes. So well, let me um, let me let me set this up a little bit because you know we started hearing around that time about you know George Lucas's has ruined my childhood and any other kind of cliche that would have been a meme at that time had memes been right. a thing. But did did any of did you feel any kind of way about that? Were you at all disenfranchised by you know the the character that you didn't care for or or what have you in Phantom Menace? I
1: think. uh it's interesting to make a time, and this is this is the one thing I actually kind of like about the prequel movies, as opposed to the newer trilogy story coming out. I mm-hmm. I appreciate the time skips between the movies. Mm-hmm. Like I I think that it opens up a lot of possibilities for you to do stuff for the story between the movies. Right. And um, it was very interesting to see Hayden Christensen jump into the role of Anakin, and I think there were parts of you know, you get the giddy, childish excitement of young boy Anakin wanting to become a Jedi, and then you transition to Hayden Christensen of I'm showing no emotion because I'm trying to be a Jedi, and I hate sand. Right, and right, right. I think is, you know, when The Phantom Menace came out, I was a teenager, so it was a lot more critical things that I saw, and that's when I would say the first probably hour of that movie bored the living daylights out of me. Right. It just, it did, and it wasn't until they got to Geonosis and the clone troopers showed up I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. You know, right. clone troopers were getting battle scenes like this. This is awesome. You know that I think it was for a movie that was focusing on the beginning of the Clone Wars, waiting for the last 40 minutes for the Clone Wars to start was kind of like, man, you know, I just sat through an hour and a half of, you know, again, political drama with the Jedi and who everybody knew was going to be Darth Sidious because you know, Ian McDermott, you know, right. <laughs> you know he's going to be Darth Sidious and it's like, just get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. And I think that's what started to annoy because that's when I really started to pick up Star Wars books and read more about Star Wars was probably right after the Phantom Menace Well, you because know I still really enjoyed the Phantom Menace.
0: Right. So, so it's, it's, it is interesting that like between one and two to kind of go to your point, like that, that's the biggest time jump between any film inside of its own trilogy mm-hmm. and, um, but it's also it's also kind of like between one and two specifically is kind of like the, the least interesting period. You know what I mean? Like right. in, in terms of like expanded universe stuff, in terms of you know extracurricular modern canon that kind of fits in that in that pocket. It's mm-hmm. like for for instance, like the I don't know, what is it four or five years between two and three? And like because of the Clone Wars, like that era is like you know immensely more interesting. Whereas between one and two. You know, it kind of goes to the point that a lot of people make regarding Phantom Menace that it should have started, you know, much closer to Episode 2 in terms of time than, than it did. Quick right. question.
2: Now, I thought that the gap between Episode 2 and 3 was just three years. Is that something that might have been retconned?
0: Oh, I, I don't—I I, I was sh- taking a shot in the wind. I said four to five. Like, you said three. Oh, okay. That's close. That's. I, I'll go with three.
1: At least it's not like 20 minutes between, you know— Episode seven and eight where it's like oh shit here here's a 20 sorry here's a 20 minute time jump yeah well, so like
0: but, but see like but that's the thing where like i find that interesting for the same reason almost you know what i mean because it's 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 the closest of any between two you know it's right. like um like I, I don't know i mean it's a bizarre reference to bring up but like i remember watching karate kid 2 as a kid and i was like oh my god it's picking up right after the first one mm-hmm. and, and like i always thought that was that was cool because you don't really see that in any sequel ever, where it's like, you know, it's you, you leave on the left foot and you land on the right foot, you know, right. Um, but anyway, anyway, back on target. How was your uh, react? We always ask this. How was your reaction to the Yoda and lightsaber? And how old are you at two thousand two? So
1: two thousand two, I'm not fourteen years old. So, okay. um, I, so, uh, Gordon, I've talked about this immensely: uh, puppet Yoda versus CGI Yoda. I think uh the cgi model of yoda in episode one was awful and i think they did a lot of work in episode two to make the cgi model look more closely related to puppet yoda so it was awesome to see yoda fight as fighting a lightsaber battle against you know dooku but it it felt really exaggerated even as a 14 year old was like why flips you know it just it was nuts and I, if I remember correctly, I found myself laughing as much as I was excited at watching that scene because it was completely absurd. At the same time, it was like amazing and absurd to see like a foot and a half tall being doing flips and stuff off of buildings and you know ships and craziness. Yeah,
0: I I find that that sequence really like um, it, it either it really lands for people or it doesn't, and like right. for some reason, dude, I, like even today like and watching something on your phone is like a completely different experience than cinematically you know what i mean right but like even on my phone when i watch it i'm like dude this is cool like i don't, yep. I don't know what it is about it for me but it's like it still works on some level and for I, me.
1: I think it's really cool because you know I, I i mean i enjoyed the scene i think what would have made it better for me is if you didn't do that like weird yell as he started like going, going in the <laughs> that's, that's that is to gort's, favorite the that's gort's favorite part that's gort's
0: favorite part that's <laughs> the
1: part that kinda just makes me start cracking up when that happens.
0: We gotta get that but, on the soundboard.
1: Uh, even when uh, two thousand and two, that CGI still holds up even oh, in, you know, twenty nineteen. I mean it, it shows you that, you know, George Lucas kinda his CGI firm kinda does a heck of a job with
0: stuff like that. Well, well and I mean not for nothing. If you look at that, that CGI model in episode two and compare it against the practical puppet in episode one, it destroys it. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, that, yeah. that, that puppet was trash It was so bad <laughs> it, was like,
1: it didn't look I mean, like Yoda it, it, it didn't. I, think it's, I think it's so bad That when they released the new DVD set We can get episodes 1 through 6 Didn't they go over and get yep. rid of that puppet In yep,
0: episode yep. 1 Which was the better choice <laughs> Yeah it looks By like far. it looks like something out of dark crystal it doesn't yeah look i was about like- <laughs> to say that it looks like a sketch. <laughs> um okay so then we have this uh and i, I know you're a clone wars fan so we're definitely going to dig into that at some point but we're going to try to go chronologically the first right. the, the first exposure to any sort of animated uh representation of the clone wars was those kind of those those short segments that came out before episode three that was on what was it, cartoon network that it was on Yeah, I think so. What did you think about those? We haven't talked too much about those on this show. I actually didn't like those, dude. Um, I don't like them either. I I feel like I'm the only one. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't care for them. I I think they're fine, and like I've said this before, like Star Wars is a lot like pizza to me. Like it, it only tastes so bad, but like. (laughs) <laughs> it, it's definitely something that I, I tend to like, just ignore. Like mm-hmm. it, it never really landed for me. The only thing I thought was cool about it was you get to see uh Grievous, uh chest get crushed, which explains the cough. Cause I always thought the cough was right. obnoxious. Um, right. But yeah, I never cared for it either. What, what was your, uh, talk a little bit more about your feelings, seeing it and, and, and thoughts surrounding it.
1: Um, so I just, for being somebody who liked animated stuff, I thought the artistic style they chose for those shows wasn't the best, and that's what really just kind of put me off about it. It's not even that I didn't like what was going on; like I appreciated the stories that were being told. It's just that, like aesthetically wise, that the choices there didn't really resonate with me that well. Because yeah. then you you go and you look at the actual Clone Wars cartoon, and it looks way better than those. Than those those little shorts did. I mean, way
0: better. <laughs> oh, I agree. I, I have to. I have to also say, there's like a, there's there's obviously an element of subjectivity to that, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that Samurai Jack. That's the style, right? Like, and, oh yeah. And like that's like uh, for some people, that's like their, their the the creme de la creme or whatever. Like, it's, that's their mm-hmm. their favorite stuff in the world. I agree with you. I'm not crazy about it either aesthetically. But also, to be fair, it took me a while to dig into Clone Wars because I was turned off by the aesthetics at first as well it's in right. it, the same to be fair the same thing with rebels like i much prefer um i guess i guess more anime style than than how exaggerated the faces were and to be fair all, all of those animated shows you know have super mm-hmm. exaggerated you know um facial designs once in rebels
1: you got the elongated skinny body form too like yep. it was almost yeah it was kind of weird Like, they were super, like, Maul looked like he lost, like, 20 pounds, but gained eight feet in height almost, which is really (laughs) strange. Yeah, yeah. But
2: in Rebels, they seem to have normalized the faces, but they also simplified all the designs, too. Like, the the textures and everything.
0: Well, yeah, but I think they normalized, like, I think that, like, like Hera looks, uh, like, ironically enough, looks one of the more realistic. Whereas, you know, I feel like Ezra definitely feels... You know, super kind of cartoony exaggerated he looks right. like he's about to go rub a magic lamp <laughs> <laughs> he does he does he looks a lot like aladdin that's that's yeah, that's for sure um so okay, let's get into episode three now uh where b- before we launch into that movie, where is your kind of feelings surrounding the prequel trilogy unfolding so far like how are you feeling about it
1: um so I'm definitely still enjoying them. They aren't anything that's, like, earth-shatteringly bad yet or anything bad. I'm I'm enjoying the story. I'm enjoying the build-up to the inevitable Darth Sidious reveal and keep talking to my dad about how you know Chancellor Palpatine is Darth Sidious. I mean, come on. You you should have known from episode one, especially since Ian McDermott was recast as the role. I mean, come on. He was Darth Sidious. He's going to be Darth Sidious. Right. Um, And I— I I think I always had a problem with Hayden Christensen's portrayal of Anakin, um, but that's changed in recent years. Actually, in about a year or two, that's changed a little bit. But uh, as for me, I'm, I've still really enjoyed the prequel movies so far, and there's nothing like, that would make me still not love Star Wars. So, okay. that makes sense. So, are you
0: excited? Are you excited that it's coming?
1: I, uh, fun story. <laughs> we had just moved to New Jersey. This is still way before I had met Gort. Uh, but, uh, we just moved to New Jersey. We had just left Ohio and we got midnight showing tickets to episode three. My dad and I did. Cause at the time we thought, man, it's the last Star Wars movie. Go out with a bang, go out at midnight. You know, we gotta go midnight on release night. Even if it's the last one, we gotta go. And, uh, so I was reasonably excited. I remember this is a this is gonna go off topic a little bit. My sister before we had moved was dating somebody named Luke. And <laughs> so for my birthday, my parents had got given me the tickets for the midnight showing for my dad and I, and it said from Luke on there. And I was like, huh. I looked at my parents and said, Why is Jen's ex-boyfriend giving me movie tickets to <laughs> go see Star Wars? My dad's like, You're an idiot. They're from Luke guys' Like, but Luke Skywalker's are just it was it was and that does that shouldn't surprise Gort at all about me, like, just missing blatant obvious stuff that's, like, right in front of my face. But, uh, yeah, I was really, really excited for episode three. And if I remember right, because uh, I think I was, yeah I was a sophomore in high school. I, uh... One of my, I was the only one of my group of friends that was going to go see it at midnight, and then one of my friends decided to go at the last second. I remember telling them, "You can't tell anybody about it because you didn't have plans." I'm the one that gets to talk about it. <laughs> like I was that excited right. about That's going awesome, to see though. it at midnight. Awesome.
0: <laughs> I have uh, two things to interject real quick. One, mm-hmm. uh, just on <clears throat> on your, uh, you know, everybody's going to know this is Darth Sidious, uh, and, and I th- I felt the same way. I was also surprised at how many kind of casual fans had no clue. And also, Mm -hmm. um, I remember watching episode three with my daughter for the first time, my oldest daughter, who was probably nine at the time. And when Palpatine was on his back getting uh, electrocuted and face warped, um, Mm -hmm. as as that face started to change and then Anakin came into the room... I I remember my nine year old like turning around like oh my god I know how this is gonna play out like you know like it all clicked <laughs> for her at that one point which right. is kind of you know kind of magical to watch you know because you know I think that we had the of being in the age group and even you as like a, a young teen mm-hmm. had had the kind of luxury of uh, or maybe privilege or maybe the opposite thereof of knowing. What was going to happen in some way, shape or form, whereas for her it was like you know to- you know she, she was she was watching these movies you know unfamiliar with the original trilogy, so like she knew that Anakin became Vader just from like living in my house, but she had no mm-hmm. concept of anything else, and she knew who the emperor was just from living in my house, but it was, it was right. cool to, it's cool to see that I, I often tell people when they you know they act like i don't know if you get the same thing but like in my peers group uh who aren't really into this kind of stuff whenever they go into this world it's like i become this great guru to them and they come and like Mm -hmm. ask me you know like so when thanos snapped or whatever right um but like one of the things i often get asked is what order should i watch these movies in and unless you go with quote unquote like the machete order like you're either gonna spoil the vader luke or you're gonna spoil the palpatine Sidious, like you know one of those is going to get spoiled depending on which way you right. watch these movies uh, which is which is kind of like an unfortunate sort of side effect to it all uh, right. The other thing that I was going to mention um was i i I'm hearing you talk, and you, you one of the things you said early on that i was I had a question about internally was that um when I lived in Kentucky the first time. Yes. So, okay, so so that's a strange thing to hear. I'll just let you know from, from the outside. Right. In. But um, so you lived in Kentucky twice. You've lived in Ohio. You lived in New Jersey at some point. I'm getting the impression of it now mm-hmm. as well. You're doing a lot of moving around. Do you find at all that stuff like Star Wars or Pokemon or, or whatever these franchises that you kind of attached yourself to play any part psychologically in providing some sort of constant for you?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's... It's a way for me to find it was a way for me to find my friends friend groups. It was a way for me to find people I wanted to hang out with. I mean, to be fair uh I wasn't going to have friends in oh you know in Ohio and New Jersey that want to go see Lord of the Rings with me. You know, I wasn't going to have you know it's just that that nerdy culture that you know it helps me attach myself to a good group of friends every single so time I moved and huh. and it was
0: yeah i mean it's, that that's probably the main reason why <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. Shit, you know what I mean? Like that, that right. like in a uh, kind of a you know turbulent, you know, you know, you're 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 becoming a man. You're moving around. You got, you're you're at some level that lack of, and I'm, I'm not trying to judge your life, dude, or anything like that. But there, right. at, at some base level, there's like this. There's an instability in some regard, right? And the the fact that some of these things that a lot of people that don't understand them will kind of pass off as meaningless, useless, trivial, whatever, provide this stability for people at a potentially trying time in their life. Mm-hmm. It's pretty powerful stuff, I think. So mm-hmm. let's, let's get into episode three. So what was your reaction seeing that?
1: Um, I remember being absolutely blown away by the uh, star battle scene at the, you know, the pipe scene at the front that was probably one of the, at the time one of the most beautifully cgi scenes i've ever seen in my mm-hmm. entire life and even still you know watching it is incredible to see um
0: Gore, Gore. And- G- we hear that a lot have you noticed yeah. that yeah like that scene had a big there, impact on people there's a lot of
1: things it's say yoda for episode two and that opener for episode three yeah well i think that was the first time i mean as a kid that watched Star Wars on VHS, I was like, oh man, I want to see some huge, you know,
0: right, right, right.
1: fights with Star Destroyers and obviously with the technology at the time wasn't, you know, with little models hanging on strings, you can't really like do, you know, super crazy stuff. But once the CGI got there and they started showing that they could do these fight scenes in space, it was like, this is like the stuff I've been wanting to see. Like uh, you know, the Jedi stuff's cool, the Sith stuff's cool, but like seeing these huge, you know, planet-sized you know, almost you know, moon-sized ships like right. fighting each other is always so cool in my eyes.
0: You know, you know what's funny oh. is like I think that the the end space fight at Return of the Jedi was supposed to kind of be that, but like as mm. as a kid, it never landed for me. Like it didn't. Like I, I watch it now and I can kind of objectively say like, wow, this is far greater than mm. the space battle of Episode Four. But as a kid, it didn't seem like that big of a leap. You know, right. whereas that episode three space battle is like it's a totally different ball game, you know, there, there's something too with like a leap, um,
2: you know, when it's a trap and you have all the TIE interceptors and everything like flying at you in right. Return of the Jedi. That's one of my favorite scenes of all time. And I feel like you get that in other movies. Episode one did it with droid fighters. Rogue One had a shot like that. And. Every time it's bigger, better. I'm like, ah, oh. like it, it does kind of diminish, but it never takes away how I feel about that particular
1: scene in Jedi. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. Okay. So, so you, you the space battle's awesome. Keep going.
1: Um. Then we got into the uh, the Anakin uh, drama with the Chancellor again, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably everybody's biggest critique of the prequels is the politics side of it is always going to be the stuff that drags the films down. Cause it, they feel like it slows down the pace in the film. Um, but I actually kind of enjoyed that in episode three, cause you, you start to get little pieces of Anakin becoming more and more unhinged. You know, the events in his life are lining up to the fact that he's going to have this crux moment where he just goes off the fricking rails and does something terrible. I 100% and agree. it, I think a lot of people's objections with episode three are probably that the the way they chose it with him killing young children probably uh, is was the wrong way to show that. But at the same time, you're having someone turn into the most crucial villains in Star Wars, you know, in canon history. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about the carry out of Order 66. Someone's got to kill the younglings, and it's probably the only other person that— there to do it is Anakin now Darth Vader
0: well and they've also just spent five hours over the course of six years to make this character endearing to you and they have to find a way to tear him apart now and I, I think it's one of those things where it's like well what what better way to you know to make you question your love for this character than having him kill a bunch of kids right I often wonder, like, I think about this all the time, but, like, you know, they they, kind of do it still in a a relatively classy way where it's just the the saber gets ignited and then that's it, right? Right. Um, But, like, uh, in my head canon, there's a cut of that movie somewhere where, like. (laughs) (laughs) That little kid's impaled pale No, no, so so not not too far, not too far. But, like, (laughs) the the, the blade goes on, and then you just see, like, a whole bunch of those little stupid helmets go flying out of a door somewhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: my God. (laughs) <laughs> that <would be> hilarious. <laughs> all right. All right. So, um, so yeah, so, so keep going. I'm sorry to keep cutting you off. Oh, you're
1: fine. Um, and then I think, uh, there, there's things. And so I, I guess the, the thing that I've just learned recently is that, uh, where the movies fail to address some things in the canon, I guess the novelizations of the movie are also considered canon. Mm. And, um, I know one of the big things that people always debate is did Dooku know that Chancellor Palpatine was Sidious, and in the movie it appears not that case, but correct in the novelization of the book, it's very clear that Sidious had told, you know, Dooku that I am Chancellor Palpatine. Ah, uh, gotcha. So I guess there's a disconnect there, but you know that that's different time. But I think for me, watching Anakin turn into Darth Vader was great. I think. Uh, the battle between him and Obi-Wan was probably outside of the mall fight, probably one of my favorite emotional lightsaber fights of all time. Mm. And even after, you know, going back after watching the clone wars series and watching that relation between Anakin and Obi-Wan get closer and you understand how close they actually really were watching that emotional toll of Obi-Wan realizing he has to kill his brother. Basically, uh, is it carries a much heavier weight. I agree. And, um, I think for someone who grew up loving the original trilogy, when they end the film with the sons of Tatooine and them holding Luke Skywalker and all that stuff, that that was a great way to ring. Okay, the next thing is, you know, sequentially it does a good job of saying, "Hey, episodes three through six are next. Episodes four through six are next." Yeah. So. I think they ended it on a very good note of. I agree. Okay, go watch episodes 4 through 6 cuz we left on Tatooine and we're going to pick up on Tatooine, you know.
0: And I also think that like uh, there was a there was a charm to the conclusion of that movie where like I remember watching it and then walking out of the theater and all I could think to myself was I have to watch episode 4 right away just to see how it feels. Mm. You know, when, right. when when Obi-Wan says the things that he says to Luke, like how does that feel now? And it does change the dynamics of a lot of it. Right. Um, from a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. <laughs> um, I, I'll also say that, like, that uh, I love, I, I too agree with you, I love that battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin. And like it, it does feel like, I, I hear criticisms regarding this new trilogy that, like, like, I want the lightsaber fights to be like that, and, like, I don't. Like I want that right. to be the pinnacle lightsaber fight of all time. Like to never see right. anything that challenges that. Like these are two absolute masters of their craft going head to head. And that's why it it's such a dance. You know what I mean?
1: hmm Yeah. So And uh, let's be uh, honest, the Battle of the Heroes song in the background just oh, makes great. it all the much better. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> dude.
0: I'm I'm super concerned about life in Star Wars without John Williams. You know, like just Oh yeah. You know, like, cause I mean, there's some stuff I like on Rogue One. There's one or two I like on Solo, but like, nothing hits the same way. You know, you can't, right. you can't capture that. I don't think uh, they haven't yet, anyway.
1: So I always get Danny Elfman. I mean, you know, oh, let's you not know, do that. Let's Phantom not do time. that. <laughs> <In a> good <laughs> good <job. laughs> next thing you know, <laughs> <laughs> next thing you
0: know, Helen <laughs> Bottom Carter will sneak in there somewhere, and Tim Burton will be doing one. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this: uh, Well, not not really ask you, rather, but say that uh, to go off of your political backdrop. Like I agree with you, and I agree that like a a large amount of people have those criticisms, but I do like that it's kind of something different that defines that trilogy, right? And I I kind of like to be fair; I kind of miss it in the newer stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I I kind of want to know what's going on in the political landscape. Um, but it is like it's something unique about it that I, uh, in hindsight, that it's like this is a cool little slice of life that we're not really privy to anywhere else.
1: I think uh, going off of that, the one of the you know we could talk for days on the terrible things last year I did, and the one cool thing that I think last year I did was, you know, when they had uh, Benicio del Torre's character in that movie, he kind of introduces everybody to the Shades of Gray in the galaxy of look. You know, there's people that are going to sell weapons to the rebellion. There's people going to sell weapons to the First Order money runs the galaxy and i think we started to get that a little bit more in uh the last jedi but that's just yeah i just i agree that the political atmosphere of the prequels is it is something because it's that slow build-up you know that slow build-up yeah. from episode one to episode three and it's like you get the big payoff in episode three and i think people don't feel like there's a slow buildup coming in the new trilogy it's just like everything's racing through the timeline like okay you know it just, it, you don't, you get that feeling right now. I don't know. It's weird.
0: Well, I think it, um, I, th- okay, but, I but I think because it patterns itself closer to the original trilogy and we can have that mm-hmm. discussion, but like, I, you know, in the same way that the, the original trilogy kind of races through it all and it right. doesn't really stop to breathe. Whereas the, the prequel trilogy does a lot of breathing. And I think there is something specific to your generation seeing star Wars kind of somatically cinematically rather in in that, in that age where, it, it makes you view the sequel trilogy differently, and uh, Gordon and I have actually talked about it at length about like you know generational differences and how Star Wars is appreciated or seen or viewed or criticized uh, due to those generational differences. So just from hearing your tone about Last Jedi, like I'm anxious to get there because I don't I don't think we see that movie the same way. But before we can get there, we have to dig into one of your bread and butter elements to, to how you see this franchise and that is the Clone Wars. So right. I wanna start with <clears throat> I wanna start with the film being okay. designed, How do you feel about that thing?
1: Uh again, it's another one of those things where when I saw the like the, the animated film or Correct. You know, Correct. The, yeah, the the animated film and I—I I don't know if I ever told Gort this—actually made me not want to watch the Clone Wars. It, uh, Same. <laughs> it. I. I thought it was awful. I didn't really enjoy it, and Gort actually had to be the one con- to, you know, convince me five years down the road to go actually watch the Clone Wars. And then, you know, he hears from me while oh, we're playing the Old Republic. You know, two weeks later, I was like, dude, I watched all six seasons in like a week and a half. Like <laughs> right. like what? You know, what in the world? You know, this was amazing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well but i i I think the movie aspect of it that was it was not that good
2: Mike did well, you see that movie in the theater?
1: No, I did not okay I did
2: and if you had a favorite part to that movie,
0: what would it be? None of them none of it. okay <laughs> I don't even remember it like i <clears throat> I think it's like, a, it's like it's like it's, it's like giving, disjointed, it's like giving birth. It's like uh, you, you just you, you wipe it away from your memory so that you can expose yourself to more of it later.
2: It, it, it's very much like elongated episodes, and they're pandering a lot in there. Uh, probably the zero the hut stuff is what I like best about it. It's just a ridiculous character, and I kind of liked a hut that could speak uh, basic. Mm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. I'll tell yeah. you, just I'll, something different. It's the most turned off I've ever been to the franchise. Like walking out of that. Like I, mm-hmm. even, I, I had to take even a the Christmas
1: special. Oh you watched Christmas I special. yeah, watched.
0: haven't seen it. i Haven't seen it. But I <laughs> don't but I, watch that. But, but I have. But I have seen the Ewok movies. I have seen the Ewok movies. The, the Ewok movies are better. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Both of them. They're also better than uh, Clone Wars, in my opinion, the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I was super turned off by it, and I actually didn't watch Clone Wars. I think until 2015 because uh, the, anim- the animated series because, and I think I was just rolling off the excitement of, of Force Awakens, um, right. where I, I finally was like, let me give it a shot. And when I watched that, I was like, oh my God, this, this is far better. Um, Makes you
1: appreciate the prequels a little bit more after you watch Clone Wars. Yeah, 100%. Oh
0: yeah. So wh- let me ask you this before we get into the, the animated series. Did you expose yourself to any of the novels or comics or anything else that was telling those stories during that time? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Um, so Clone Wars is just a, f- a fresh, clean slate for you to kind right. of open your... Okay, that's cool. So uh, w- before we get into that, I, w- I just want to tell you that, that a lot of that stuff is some of the better EU stuff that was ever done, both in Dark Horse and in the, uh, the novels. Mm-hmm. But um, also that the that, that novelization of uh, Revenge of the Sith, that was done by James Lucino. Am I right about that? Something like that, I think and he did another book that was like it's supposed to take place it's like the rogue one of episode 3 like it takes place like moments before episode 3 starts okay and it's uh it's fantastic it's a it's one of my favorites but anyway um so you you get into this show walk me through your your thoughts feelings experiences regarding this
1: i think uh it was if there's one thing that I think the prequel movies didn't do a good job on, it was explaining the point of the clone troopers. You know, oh, you know, here's this random army that was built by, you know, requested by Cypher DS and yeah. all this stuff. And then you finally start getting into a show where it's talking about, you know, the for the most part, the first season and the very first episodes talking about the life of the clones. And it's starting to portray, you know, these clone troopers aren't just, you know... Clones they actually have their own personalities you know they care about themselves they care about each other and you know you're starting to get this understanding of why the Clone Wars itself is such a dramatic era in the Star Wars story I mean you have the modern war going on right now, but it really resonates the fact that the Clone Wars is like this special moment in Star Wars and um, for me, I really enjoyed seeing Anakin with an apprentice um, I think it drives home the thought process of where Anakin felt sort of betrayed by the Jedi order, but at the same time they trusted him enough to have an apprentice at the same time. And it makes it even more emotional when he eventually does fall. And I think it increases the payoffs in the things that you see in the movies. Um, I, I That's just to me. No, um, I, agree. I think there's some, I think what <laughs> Gort and I joked about a lot when I was, going through the series, the season where it gets into the Rider strike and you start getting characters <laughs> with ridiculous names like Savage Oppress, And you're like, it's clearly just Savage <laughs> Oppress. I mean, they gotta make it sound fancy. You know, strike, you can't come up with fancy names. But at the same time, that season gives me one of my favorite moments in Star Wars where Maul and Savage take on Sidious. And that's one of my favorite moments in that show. Yeah, and I agree. Uh, and to me watching maul take over death watch was awesome i think there were so many cool moving parts in that show that gave so much more backstory to characters you saw for five minutes of screen time in the movies that it made their deaths in the movies much more impactful like when plo Koon gets shot down in his speeder during episode six you know during order 66 you know in a starship and you know, you spent this whole series with Master Plan. like, "Oh my God!" You know, this is actually kind of sad to see him die. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yep.
2: Yep. You know what? Imagine if the Clone Wars series actually did take place uh, chronologically. Like, we got all that before Episode Three came out, and you have that entire series to watch. Mm-hmm. Then Order sixty six that would that would be a lot different for <clears throat> oh, us. I know.
0: And, you know, I, I think like when you were saying about the clones and such, I, I think it does raise a lot of like interesting questions that it doesn't get credit for. And, and one of those questions is, you know, what constitutes life? Because the, life. Clo- the clones of life weren't valued in the same way that that sort of proper life, you know, is is valued. And it, it asks questions about that that are far deeper than it kind of gets credit for, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think you start to... uh you see that in some of the episodes, I can't remember what it was, but there was what they dealt with a deserter and the clones. And he started a lot, got a, had a wife with a Twi'lek and, or Twi'lek, how we pronounce right, that? Right, right, uh, right. And it starts, you know, his whole conversation with his, the other clone troopers in that episode is like, the Republic doesn't care about you. You're just a disposable asset to them. And I think it's very interesting to see how Anakin and Obi-Wan actually legitimately care for their clone trooper regiments. Like, they care about the the troopers they're with, and then you see in the movies where the Jedi doesn't appear like they care about their clone trooper squads, and it's it's kind of fascinating to see that. And you know, that's the privilege you get with a six, soon to be seven, season show that that build up.
0: I one hundred percent agree, and I I think that uh, also like like you said, like the you know that. Because, I mean, theoretically, right, like the, the, the proper way for the Jedi to view them in, in terms of their own sort of dogma and, and philosophy is to kind of view them as tools and implements. But it's actually, right. you know, the villain of the, of the saga that has more compassion for them. Yep. That's
1: good shit. It's, uh, it is – that is probably one of my favorite moments of Star Wars is just that show. Yeah. That show and there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's obviously, there's, it's, it's like Seinfeld. There's episodes that are bad. and it's like, man, this episode sure. sucks. Sure. I mean, but for the most part, that show just really, I've really, really enjoyed it, and I think it was cool to see, you know, and it, it's something you don't you, you understand is happening in the movies where you know Sidious is working in the background as Palpatine, getting things in motion, but actually seeing Sidious. In the show, while he keeps the illusion of being Chancellor Palpatine, manipulating events in the background is also way more, way more interesting to see. I agree. The one thing I wish we could see, and I know uh, we probably never will, is we know somewhere in episode one, Sidious kills Darth Plagueis. um, But it would be nice to see, you know, that somehow appear, (laughs) you know? Give, a, give us, give us it because they're, you know, the Darth Plagueis book is now legends, but yeah, it was you know. like one
0: of the last ones before the cover. Yeah. Off. Yeah. So, um, what about, well, let, let, let's jump, let's jump ahead, How just to kind of keep it in the same pocket. Yeah. What is your thoughts and feelings surrounding this, uh, this last, you know, like the last batch or the bad batch or whatever it is and, and the other stuff that's coming forward from the Clone Wars story?
1: Um, so. Gort and I watched them on Star Wars' website when they came out, and um, that part part of me was like, well, I'm sad that these never came out, uh, because I think the stories are pretty cool. I think it was awesome how they were trying to find kyber crystals to power the Death Star, um, understanding how Sidious is trying to get those, you know, get to get the Death Star built, while also, you know, the Jedi being completely clueless that something like this is being built, but they're starting to pick up the hints, um, and that, you know, to me, that is. Oh, wait, are you talking about the last episodes that actually released in Netflix, or the is that the one we're talking about? I'm sorry. I'm talking
0: about <laughs> the. I mean, I'm I'm good with that too. But I, I was more so talking about the stuff that's coming on the the channel. They like the, the. Oh, okay. On Disney Plus. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, I'm excited. I really am. Um nice. I think there are parts of the Clone Wars story I didn't get to see. Um, my initial hope is that. When they end it, they end the series right before Order sixty six. Like not before, you know, episode three starts. I want Uh the show to go into episode three and end with Order sixty six. That would be. be I want to see. I want to see the clone troopers following now Darth Vader to the temple, and like, you know, how are they? You know, how do they? You know. The ruse that the clone troopers don't know that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker, and that all they've been told is kill the Jedi, and keeping the ruse that you know, you know, understanding. It, I want to see that play out. <laughs> That's yeah. what I really want to see.
0: That would be cool. Yeah. Um. So that pretty much takes us into the Disney era, right? Except, except you right. did you did get heavy into the games. I, I get the impression from listening to you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, was I used to play? I played the Force Unleashed games. Those were really fun. <laughs> I really <laughs> yeah, I agree. enjoyed those. And I really appreciate uh, the uh, Easter egg in uh, Force Awakens with the base being called Star Killer base because right. Star Killer right. is probably one of my favorite Star Wars characters in video games. Uh, just playing with him in uh, playing him in the first second one was Force Unleashed two was, eh. but the first one was just awesome. Uh, but then oh god this is a funny story um <laughs> my parents were super control freaks uh while i was in college you don't say Gordon Gordon know this i had to <laughs> sneak build a pc computer <laughs> so that we could play the old republic when it came really? out because i had a macbook pro and since you know they weren't fireware wasn't going to release the game to mac i had to sneak build a computer so for like three months i was buying parts on new egg and you know having them shipped to my friend's house That's and then like, just built it when i came back and yeah but it, it worked out in the long run so um that's yeah. a
2: real star wars fan
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
2: <laughs>
1: and i think that's why i'm i can't say i'm optimistically excited because you know the two guys that are going to be writing the uh Old Republic trilogy when it comes out are the same people that murdered Game of Thrones the last two seasons. Yeah, we don't uh,
0: we don't see that the same way either.
1: Yeah, it, but I am hopeful that characters like Revan and them actually become canon because to me there are some great characters in the Old Republic Legends material that I really want to see become canon characters. If that makes sense, all of them, all
0: of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that um <clears throat> I would love to see most of that cast be canonized. Yeah. Like B- Bastila and and all those and uh, I mean I even like I like um I think Darth Korea is one of the most interesting characters in Star mm-hmm. Wars history, you know, honestly. Uh, but you know, I don't I don't think she's kind of viewed as such in the in the sort of uh corporate department. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. Okay, so we have Force Awakens um mm-hmm. w- talk to me about that the lead-up the viewing etc
1: so gordon know that i was you know when a new star wars trailer comes like oh my god star wars you know I'm, you're instantly jacked for star wars
0: um that dopamine drip but
1: yeah and but you also realize too at the same time and this is i think this is everybody's feeling that knowing the second disney got to write the right to star wars you knew that Star Wars was going to become over-commercialized. I mean, it's 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 a product that they're going to try and make as much money as possible off of. And I think what made the prequel trilogies so special is they came so long after the original trilogy. And then the movies were four and five years apart. You know, they there was a time skip where you knew, okay, I don't have my Star Wars binge. Oh my God, it's back four years later. Um, so, you know, we waited, what? the When did... Uh, Revenge of the Sith came out. What was the year on that? It was two thousand two thousand. So, so we had ten years. Correct. Between that and Force Awakens, so it was a reasonable amount of time. Um, things I love. Uh, I mean, I loved some of the new characters they're building. I really do. Um, I liked Hux more in episode in Force Awakens. Uh, hated him at the start of the start and middle of the way through Last Jedi, and then kind of hoped he was going to shoot Kylo Ren at the end of the last Jedi. Um, but he didn't, um, but I enjoyed the film. I did. I, I enjoyed several parts of the movie. It was, it's like, they gave you enough nostalgia to really buy into the new trilogy. If that makes sense. Like seeing the millennium Falcon again, seeing oh, Han, think, Chewie, all of them again. I
0: think you can make the argument they gave you maybe too much nostalgia. <laughs> to yeah. Make, yeah. To make, so, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying there for sure. Um, but I, th- it's interesting because I, I kind of let's talk about the uh, let's skip Rogue One for now and let's talk about Force Awakens and the Last Jedi because mm-hmm. obviously you feel differently about the two of those. Um, yes. <clears throat> so and, and and I get the impression from listening to you that you prefer Force Awakens over Last Jedi.
1: Um, I'll say this: I like both films, and there's things I don't like about both films. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm i think if i were to grade them together i would say that the force awakens slightly edges out the last jedi okay but it's not that to me the last jedi was an awful movie they were just parts of it that was like really you know why okay you know um but when it comes down to force awakens i think jj J. abrams maybe didn't take enough risks with the film to make it different um I do kind of agree with some people where they say it feels like it's a rehash of, you know, the Death Star and, you know, just trying to retell the same story. Right. But at the same time, you know, I can understand why he did it. I mean, he would be the ire of everybody if he changed the story too much.
0: Right, right, right. And
1: the trilogy wouldn't get the support it needs, so he kind of had to take a not-so-much-risk when he made that movie. And when you look at The Last Jedi, I think Ryan Johnson took a lot of risks. And you see the opposite spectrum where he took so many risks that things kind of made people really mad. And um, I think the one thing that uh, really rubbed me the wrong way with The Last Jedi, just one giant plot hole, was why was Laura Dern's character hiding the plan from Poe and everybody, and we could have skipped the whole terrible casino scene? Like, that just... The casino scene just made zero sense to me in that movie, and to me, that probably felt like the most unstar Wars scene that I've ever seen in any of the star wars movies was that casino scene
0: so I will say that the I can't necessarily agree with the casino scene specifically, but i will I will agree to your point that I think that the cano bite sequence as a whole is probably the most mishandled thing, yeah now. I, I will. I will debate the idea of whether I think there is a plot hole uh, in in Last Jedi, and it's been pointed out to me. And now that I've seen it, I have a hard time dealing with it. I can explain it away, but mm-hmm. I still see it. It's like when you get a stain on a on a uh, a shirt, and you you right. use your woolite and you use your special stain remover, and it's mm-hmm. it's pretty much gone. But you know it's there. You know what I mean? Right. It's that sort of thing, um, right. which I'll get to in a second, but. I th- I don't think it's a plot hole because it's made pretty clear early on that they don't trust Poe in a tactical sense. Right. Um, so the the fact that they would hide that information because I think that they I don't think that Haldo was keeping it a secret. I think mm-hmm. that she was. Ke- I think that she was hiding it, or, or you could say she's keeping it a secret specifically from him. Right. You know. So he, so he's operating not knowing that there is a plan. In and, and effect, and, right. and yes, I agree with you that that ends up sending them on a mission that takes up a fair amount of space in that film for nothing. I do right. agree with you there, but I don't think it's necessarily a plot hole as much as it is, I, I, dude. I think honestly they they needed something for those characters to do, and they didn't know what right. to make them do. You know. Um, but I do think and I've said this a thousand times. But the can-o-bite sequence, right? You have the the horse race, you have mm-hmm. you have the casino, and you have the prison break. And right. I don't think you need all three. <laughs> like, that's my, like right. I think you could have just gone and got the horses and left, or you could have just gone and got the guy and left. But you didn't need to do the whole shebang. So now I, I
1: will say I did like Benicio del character in the film. Like I thought that was an interesting <clears throat> way to introduce him. <clears> throat> um, throat> Because I just like Benicio Del Torre in general. I, I do like too. like him as an actor. I think he's a great actor. I love him. Which I'm hoping for only having, what, like 20 minutes of screen time to film that he somehow comes back in Rise of Skywalker. Like I, I feel like you don't cast somebody like that and not have them come back. You know, I, that just, I just it wish, feels weird to me.
0: I, I do, I do if, if all cards are being on the table. And I'm protective of Star Wars. Like I only let, mm-hmm. I only let my criticisms be known to, to uh, personally to a few. But uh, mm-hmm. I hate the stutter. I hate it. Yeah, do you? <laughs> it drives me nuts. Like I just don't. I, and I think one of the reasons why, like you, I'm a huge Benicio del Toro fan, and I think that that dude just oozes cool. Like he's mm-hmm. like he's just he's one of those guys. Like you have to be careful walking around him because of how slick he is. Like you might fall. Right. And I I think that like giving him that stutter is like it seems so unnatural for him to have like right. this like huge um, you know uh, communication disability for lack of a better term. Um but yeah, so so you, so where is so after seeing the first two films um of this of mm-hmm. this where is your kind of thoughts, feelings and everything regarding, you know, you you've been concerned that Disney's going to over-commercialize um this, mm-hmm. this franchise, which of course they will do. I, I right. at the same time I, I think it's probably been over-commercialized since Shadows of the Empire. Um Right. But where is your excitement level? Because when I hear you talk about it um, in, kind of in passing, when you're talking about other things, perhaps like the Clone Wars that you're more passionate about, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it sounds as though you're not really loving this, this new stuff. But then when you talk I, about the new stuff specifically, it seems like you're pretty happy with it. So I'm curious to hear where you're at with it.
1: I think there's, there's story elements to the new movies that I like, and there's some things I don't like. I think when you look at the Clone Wars you know, the, the two, three-year time jumps are nice because you get shows that can go on in between and fill in the gaps. Um, I think there's completely wasted characters from the standpoint of the show. I think Captain Phasma is a completely wasted character. Um, and I know there's probably more source material with her in the comics and other things that make her seem more appealing. But from a movie standpoint, she just... It's a character that was hyped up so much and then, you know, in... in she gets thrown in a trash compactor, and then she falls in an exploding hole. So, you know, um, I think going into Rise of Skywalker, I'm reasonably excited just because of the presence of Ian McDermott. I think, to me, that could potentially mean something great is coming in that movie. Um, but at the same time, I hope it's not a complete and total, you know, for lack of better terms, ass pole where they pull a story out of nowhere, because I think one of my main complaints of the new movies is this quick build-up of Ray's character and Kylo Ren's character, and now they're saying that the Knights of Ren are going to be in Rise of Skywalker, and you know we've only seen glimpses of them, so I'm starting to wonder now, is J.J. J. Abrams going to try and put too much into a two-and-a-half-hour movie, and it's going to feel like, oh my god, here's all this stuff I wanted to show you in episode eight that I couldn't, and... You know, it's going to feel like a, here's everything I couldn't do in an episode and put in episode nine type feeling. But I also realistically kind of have some faith in J.J. Abrams because I think he does do, I mean, let's be honest, I like J.J. J. Abrams' Star Trek work.
0: <laughs> I do too. I do too. I do too. I, like uh, I know a lot of people are kind of r- super critical of the second one, but I even enjoy that one. To be honest, mm-hmm. but I, I, I also say that as not being a huge Star Trek fan, I'm kind of like a, right. you know. So that he he might have honestly he just he might have been making that movie for me, you know what I mean? Like, right. right. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that there is a lot of of work to be done, but you know, I, I also ask myself, um, you know, did people feel this way when Episode Six was coming out and had the Emperor in it that we had never seen before and you know, had no real explanation. And, you know, I, and I don't really recall feeling this way in episode three. I remember feeling like they had a lot of story left to tell in episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, because he seems so... I mean, we saw him, you know, m- murder a, a village. Um, Sand people. Yeah, Gorton. The I, children,
1: too. Yeah, I
0: <laughs> I, 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 deba- I debated with someone as to whether or not it was genocide recently, so that's why I'm choosing my words <laughs> oh my carefully. <laughs> but um, <laughs> But, like... So we saw that, but that's kind of as close as we really got to, to really seeing like the, the full swing of the dark side in him. And I remember thinking mm-hmm. to myself, like, man, there's a lot of dark side to show in this movie coming up in order to right. make this believable. But you know, he dispatches a room full of kids, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, I buy it. So I don't think it's yeah. an, impossible, but I do, think, I do think there's a lot of work to be done with this last film. But I think there's probably a lot of work to be done in every last film. You know, I feel like Return right. of the King had a lot of work to be done. Right. Um, so, uh, so you're, you're, do, let me ask you this, because I'm curious about this. Are you, uh, are you attached to any of these characters? Because that's one of the big struggles I have with this new trilogy, is my attachment.
1: Um, I would say that my attachments are to the wrong characters. Um, I am still, and always will be, and this is going to be for everybody, I guess. Super attached to the idea of Luke Han and Leia being in Star Wars. I mean that that's the attachment that I have to the story. I know, I know. Gort here was like super sad when Adam Driver Kylo killed Han Solo, and yeah. you know, he's he's to his perspective. I know he now thinks that Kylo Ren is an unredeemable character. He killed Han Solo. You know, you can't be redeemed after you kill Han Solo, and right. you know, obviously you don't know that Carrie Fisher is going to die uh, shortly after. Uh, the film comes out after Last Jedi comes out, so it makes you wonder: Did they, did they kill? Un, you know, un, you know, after the fact, hindsight's much where They killed the wrong character in you know Last Jedi because right, you
0: know right, right, Mark right, Hamill
1: right. is still alive and quite well. Uh, but and this was I would a, say nine was attac- supposed
0: to be her movie, you know,
1: right? And I think um, my attachments are to the old characters, not the new ones, okay. and I think uh, that's my problem. I'd say the only uh, Oh, let's see here. Oh, I can't, I can't. I'm struggling on names right now, and it's because I'm thinking about work now. <laughs> well, let me let me
0: let me let me roll. Let me roll a few mm-hmm. past you. So I, I will. I, the most the character that I'm most attached to is Kylo. Um, okay. And I think it's. I, I think so. To be fair, I think that some of it is because he is kind of the only legacy character, you know. Right. So I think that's a part of it. But I also just find his entire demeanor and and character so unique in that franchise, where there's like this this obvious turmoil, but, you know, at the same time, I ask myself, like, this is, this is probably the best acted trilogy, you know, like, mm-hmm. overall, and it's probably the best shot trilogy overall, but, like, right. I, I'm wondering, man, if, if I had an actor's director at the helm of episodes one, two, and three, would I have felt differently, <laughs> you know, right. um, I'm also attached to Ray, and I can't really explain why, I just find her character to be incredibly charming, um, and I think right. it's it's probably it's probably the actress herself that that's coming through. But uh, but at the same token, I'm not really attached to uh, to Poe. I'm not attached mm-hmm. to Finn. I'm not attached to Rose. I'm not attached to um, Maz or uh, DJ. I'm right. You know, I, I had I agree with you um, with your with some of your criticisms regarding Last Jedi. I, I agree that. Last Jedi, for all the characters, it makes far more interesting. I think it does a tremendous disservice to Hux. Like, I think he's far less interesting after that movie. Um, And also with, with Phasma, I think that Phasma's part of this, like, long tradition of Star Wars, where they hype a character up, they make it seem super cool, and then they kill it and and like you said like there might be stuff in books and comics and and uh, trust me i'm, I'm i mean t- she
1: has blaster proof armor
0: come on <laughs> <laughs> right right and, and and i'm the type of guy that will go and read those books and comics but i also recognize at the end of the day who gives a shit you know like it, right. it, it only it, like it only <laughs> you know what i mean like it only really counts if it's in the movies yeah at some right. level i can't put my finger on why that is but there is something to that like it Everything else is an afterthought. Even the, the cool stuff they've done with Maul, both in the Clone Wars and in right. Rebels, like it doesn't really count somehow.
1: It's because you know the majority of the mass people are going to see the movies. They're not going to go watch and see and read the right. other source material. And I think... Uh, I, I do agree where Hux's character was kind of destroyed in The Last Jedi. I think he went from being someone who seemed like you know, giving this speech on stock killer base and kinda of seeming like an incarnation of for all better was Hitler. Um, right, definitely. And all of a sudden I'm a whiny little you know, whiny little kid and yeah. being choked around and saying, Yes, Supreme Leader, I'll you know, wash your shoes, you know. Yeah, I, <laughs> you I, know, that, that 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 kinda it was a complete one eighty character reversal.
0: I can't remember if I heard this on a podcast or if Gort and I were talking about it, but like that scene right before he gets thrown around. Um mm-hmm. It is It is kind of funny to think about the fact that, like, all of it in in The Force Awakens might have been this kind of facade. You know, like, mm-hmm. like you're on top of your game, you're in charge, and then, like, the moment he knows he's messed up, he's like, Yeah, look, uh, everybody, you you guys stay the course. I'm going to take this in my quarters. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, so, it's gonna, it's gonna I be-
0: actually wonder if it's something
1: different. So, between The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi... You have the rise of the campiness Marvel movies that are run by Disney as well. Oh, definitely. See how those movies are resonating with some people, so they add some of the campiness into Star Wars, hoping it's going to catch. One hundred percent. It did not. So so
0: we're talking about two different things, but I hundred percent agree with you. You're talking about. Uh why it's there from a creation perspective and right. I, and I'm talking about in universe, but yes right. I a hundred percent agree with you that the the Marvel films don't exist that sequence doesn't exist right and and I'll tell you what else doesn't exist is that that Boulder taking out the wheelbarrow of the frog people.
1: Okay, I actually legitimately laughed at some of those. So. Like, and I feel bad laughing at them but, and, and because it's, it's, it's like it's such the, face palm laughing. Like, it just it got me. But there's
0: nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with enjoying it. But the, the Marvel right. the Marvel films that don't exist. That scene doesn't exist either. <laughs> It's um, just
1: like the constant look of disappointment on those weird frog things. Like, what <laughs> the hell? Come on.
2: <laughs> well, One of the biggest comedic elements from the movies were R2 and 3PO, who've been largely removed from these two. And that's where you're going to get it is these silly moments or something Agreed. like Borgs.
1: Agreed. Well, you've heard why, don't you? I mean, J.J. Abrams was interviewed about why do 3PO and R2 D two not have a big role? And he goes, because the second they show up, The opinions of the people watching me automatically swap to Han, Luke, and Leia. They swap to, you know, where's Luke? Where's Leia? Where's Han? Yeah,
2: well, even with the introduction to BB-8 where he had comedic moments in uh, The Force Awakens, yeah, Last Last Jedi, he's barely in it. Agreed.
1: Well, he shoots coins at people in a prison. I hate that too.
2: Uh, You (laughs) want to know what? It's almost forgettable. And the next thing he does is get under a trash can.
1: There's nothing quite like the lighter thumbs up scene in uh yeah, but, you know, but, but, you know,
0: but that seems like Star Wars humor to me. You know what I mean? Like, right. Some that seems appropriate. Right. Um, the 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 thing with the the uh, that I would argue with JJ is that like I, in the scene in uh, Attack of the Clones, I mean, even as campy as that is with with R two and three PO in the droid factory, I never mm-hmm. I never for a moment missed Han, Luke, and Leia. You know what I mean? Right. It, it seemed. It seemed natural for them to exist in that world, re- you know, regardless right. of who was beside them. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's yeah. a nightmare. <laughs> you may not recognize me with this red arm. You know, you know, people, 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 people feel a way about that. I like that too. Like, that, that, I know. I, 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 I always I, there, there's certain things in my life that I've I've come across where like I'm like God, I wish I didn't like this because it would make my life easier. Um, and that's one of them. When people start getting on that, I'm like, dude, I think that's cool. And um, uh, Batman vs Superman, the uncut version, is another one that I find myself like, oh god, why did this have to come up? Okay, let me crack my knuckles and get into this conversation. But uh, yeah, I I think that uh that the the droids are uh, something that that should be in that movie more often. And if they were mm-hmm. in it, you'd get a lot less of the kind of Marvel style humor, right? Um, and I, I forget what kind of Oh, uh, Snoke! I, I was attached to Snoke as well. Like, and, and I, I what I did I didn't care about him one iota in seven. But like his two sequences in eight, I was like this character. And it might be Andy Serkis. I could watch that dude. I mean, I've, I've watched. Yeah, him. I've no, watched yeah, him play is... a gorilla. Like I, I just get yeah. on board. Yeah, no, I right? <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's something about that dude where I can just watch him do anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So let's talk about um, the spinoff films. Let's talk about Rogue One first. What are your thoughts surrounding that?
1: So, I'm gonna say something kind of controversial, and this might make Gort kind of mad. Uh, I know he's not a big Rogue One fan. Um, I will argue from the standpoint that I feel like some of the story elements of the spin off films feel more like Star Wars than the new trilogy movies do. Oh.
0: I won't argue that. I, so, I, I won't argue that. Sp- Wait, let me, let me make sure. You said feel more like Star Wars period some aspects of
1: those films feel a little bit more like star wars and some of the things that go on in the new trilogy films
0: so i will say this i think that rogue one and solo feel much closer to the original trilogy yes okay so see that i agree with yeah. i think the prequels have changed the dynamics of what star wars right. is so in that sense like if 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 the prequels can feel like star wars and be so far left i feel like the sequel trilogy finds its way somewhere between the two quite comfortably but mm-hmm. I do feel like Rogue One specifically. It feels like um, it feels like what watching Star Wars seventy seven. Oh, hold on! What's watching Star Wars seventy seven? What that mm-hmm. felt like to me as a kid. Rogue One feels like to me as an adult. I don't know how else to describe mm-hmm. it. Like okay, the 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 same impact of seeing Darth Vader walk through a a room after stormtroopers have killed a bunch of rebels. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm five years old watching that for the first time in 84 or whatever, when the first time I saw it, it, that seemed just as serious as Darth Vader killing all those people in the hallway as a 30 some year old.
1: I will say that for all the things that Rogue One did right or wrong, That might be one of my favorite Darth Vader scenes of all time.
0: Oh, yeah. Just
1: that sequence at the end where he's just slicing down rebels as he moves throughout the ship is just – that is probably just one of the coolest Vader sequences I've seen in a long time. Yeah. That's one of the most right things in that
0: movie. Well, my favorite moment of that sequence is right before the slicing starts when there's just a close-up shot of one of the rebels – I've said this a thousand times – but one of the rebels' faces because like mm-hmm. it, it it's that face of it's i i bet you this is him like cuz this would like be the a,
1: absolute terror yeah
0: cuz like this would be a character like in universe that you would have heard legends of but never actually seen you know, I mean, he's
1: fresh off of literally killing the last of the Jedi, like killing off the last remnants of the Jedi Order.
0: And like this would be kind of almost a celebrity, like a war celebrity, right. you know, but of the opposite you know, side, unfortunately for you. Mm-hmm. But it's that moment. It's that realization in his face of, oh, my God, I bet you this is him. You know, like mm-hmm. this, is, this is the guy I've heard stories of. I, it's a little beat, but I love it.
1: I did think it was also cool that uh, Vader had a fortress on. Oh, God what is mustafar Mustafar. and i think the whole premise of when you look at the idea of sith being you know having a place where you literally were almost killed and defeated be your you know area where you're gonna sit there and you know heal on your back to tank and you know i think that premise is really cool from looking at from a sith standpoint because it feeds the anger and yeah you know i never thought about that angerness and thirst of the dark side but uh I thought that was very interesting to have that on Mustafar.
0: Ironically, to like, ironically to me, like uh, the the part that Gort struggles with the most. I'm talking about him, like he's not sitting right here. But the the mm-hmm. it, it, is, um <laughs> like is the Jedi sequence is my favorite sequence. Like mm-hmm. like Saw's faction to me seems super cool. Like mm-hmm. and just the idea that there's like these fanatical types within the rebellion that it's once again just like DJ exposes, like it's not just black and white. Like there are these right. vast shades of gray that we haven't been exposed to. I, right. I just I love stuff like that. It's it's world building that I'm I'm attracted to within Star Wars. I gotta
2: say yeah. something about uh, the whole Jetta scene too and especially Saw Guerrera's people. Every appearance that they've had outside of that movie I love. And there's nothing about them in that movie that I don't like. It has nothing to do with them. Just the sequence Angela is very dragged out to me. Like it just feels like a funny pace to it. Something, <laughs> something feels off to me. It's hard for me to describe. But I, I would say, love to see just more
0: of them. I was going to say before you started. I was like, dude, if you bash two tubes, I'm ending this show. Oh no! <laughs> I think uh, I think what's really one of the
1: I think probably my favorite character from Rogue One, and it's not Jen. I think it might be Cassian. I think really him sitting there telling. You know, because, you know, his whole story is, you know, he's been fighting the Empire's entire life since he was, what, six years old or something. And I think... That's a good point to show Jin, who, you know, she worked with Saw. She was with Saw's groupers. You know, her mother was killed by Krennic's, you know, yep. argh, 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 troopers, you know. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> I think it's very – it's a good perspective to show people who really – you know, young kids who may not have seen the original trilogy just getting to Star Wars saying, hey, the Empire is this horrible, awful thing. And I've been fighting them since I was six years old, and I would do anything to see – the empire fall. Well, I, I think from that perspective his character was very interesting.
0: I agree, and I also love the fact that he's like part of this like black ops, you know, organization that does the stuff mm-hmm. the rebels don't want to dirty their hands in publicly, you know, for lack right. of a better term. And Something that you're talking about
2: there, too, watching the Empire, get, getting to see them in this very villainous uh, way, mm. you don't get that so much in the other movies. You know they're the bad guys. You kind of see I them agree. do bad things, but not in the yep. same way. I agree. It's another strong point for Rogue One. I, cool. I could argue a lot of good points for that movie. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean I don't see things. Right. Like I do look at it objectively, too.
0: Yeah, The, the uh, right. seeing a city and what it means to be under imperial occupation, that's a different vibe. Yeah. Right. Cuz you don't really see that anywhere else. Like you, you, you And let's
1: be honest, it was cool just to see a star destroyer just sitting there under a city under occupation of a star destroyer. That was yeah. aesthetically pleasing. That was very cool to see. It, it is.
2: And you know what? Getting to see that, a situation where the stormtroopers and the Empire, it's like an element of terror. But the opposite almost on uh, Corellia in Solo. You you see them as more of a positive thing because they have that that message going on. You know, join the Empire. The the propaganda. That's
1: that's, that's like telling the perspective that, I guess, people that worked within the Empire themselves, like the everyday soldier a commoner for that enlisted in the Empire, doesn't know the Empire is some awful, evil machine. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't get that aspect. And yeah, that's, you, you wouldn't
0: necessarily. You know, necessarily. that's why when
1: Han Solo's character in Solo says, you know, when the guy, his lieutenant tells me, you know, we're trying to bring a stable, you know, peaceful planet in the Empire, he goes, aren't we the ones invading this planet? Like, he's automatically starting to question, you know, hey, we're the bad guys here, you know, not, not the people we're fighting. We invaded them, you know?
0: Well, let's not so, also forget that he also said, I'm going to be a driver, A flyer. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Before before we transition into solo, um, I I, there was a point that I wanted to touch on with the uh, oh, and and I'm not a super political person. That's not really my Mm -hmm. bag. As long as my tax refund is good at the end of the year, then I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm okay with just kind of burying my head in the sand the other 364 days. If you're not my friend, you're my enemy. You know (laughs) (laughs) that. But 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 that being said. Uh, I know I I'm aware of things. Right. So like there is something mm-hmm. there is something interesting to me about marking points in time with these movies. For instance, you know, uh, the 77 movie coming off of the back of Vietnam and having, you know, political undertones of that within it. Right. And then. Right. And then um, the prequel. Trilogy. Oh, they fight the whole third movie in a jungle i mean exactly (laughs) exactly exactly uh the 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 prequel trilogy coming off of you know the 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 9-11 era that happened in the middle of that and everything that kind of came as a result of that like that's not lost on me and then also uh you know there's elements of that jedi sequence where i see syria in that sequence Mm -hmm. and like and it's not that I need that, and it's not that I can't disassociate and just view the movie without thinking about that, but there is something about it in hindsight and in, in retrospect, going back and being like, dude, this is also marking a point in time. You know, right. almost like South Park in a way, Like not to make like the, the strangest comparison, but uh, to me, watching South Park is almost like going in a time machine, because you're like, oh yeah, I forgot this was going on, and this was right. going on, you know, and and Rogue One kind of has that for me as well. Um Moving into Solo, let's talk about that. Thoughts, comments, courtesies, concerns.
1: I like a good heist movie. I mean, it may or may not be like my favorite Star Wars film of all time, but I, Gordon I've talked about this. I think, who, who was the actor that played Han Solo? I feel
0: I like ha- he did a better job.
1: I feel like he did a better job trying to make the character his own than. Uh,
0: lando okay um, so let me interject i'm sorry but this is much (laughs) like my experience with batman versus superman (laughs) and the other (laughs) i feel the exact same way as you i think that Mm -hmm. that that guy added an interesting element and 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 brought something new to that character where i feel like the lando thing is more of an impersonation um so i just want to i just want to let you know that in in relation to
2: batman versus superman who are you relating that to
0: um or just in in the things that I wish I didn't like because I feel the need to say it all the time when people are saying uh, the okay. opposite. Okay. Um so I, I agree with you. I just wanted to let you know that you're operating in a safe space regarding that, that you have allies yeah. here. Um I
1: think uh, Donald Glover did not do enough to make Lando his own character. I agree. That was just I agree. But I I think uh but I, I like a good heist movie, I really do. I think uh this trying to pan out the story behind the Kessel run is great them playing to the joke behind the Kessel run in the distance yeah. is always going to be amusing to me because that is always going to be a laughing point of star Wars. And I love that that was embraced in the movie.
2: I agree. And, it's, a, it's a very Han Solo thing to do too. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I agree. I, and I'm going to be honest. I always love Woody Harrelson. I, I can yeah. watch any movie with Woody Harrelson and enjoy it. That's Agreed. just my honest opinion. <laughs>
0: Agreed. He's great. The um, What's your favorite moment of that movie?
1: I 100% love the double blind at the end, where they pull the con at the end and fool both Woody Harrelson and uh, Beckett. I thought, well, they pull, pull Beckett, and then who's Paul Bettany's character? I can't remember his name.
0: Voss. Uh, is it Voss? Yeah. Dryden Voss.
1: Dryden Voss. Yeah. I love, that's probably my favorite part of the scene, is the the double blind right there, where they fool everybody.
0: Yeah. Where yeah. they think
1: the coaxium's fake, and it's actually real. and That just... To me, that feels like a Han Solo moment for some reason. It just
0: does. I agree.
2: I agree. I like <laughs> that. On that too. name, by the way, I almost blurted out Quinlan Voss. I, uh, <laughs> I almost did too. I
0: almost my mind did. went blur. <laughs> I like the. Uh, my favorite. My, I think my favorite sequence, and it, it, pre, like, it preys on my nostalgia, obviously, but it, it's when Chewie sits next to him in The Falcon for the first time as like a co pilot. Like, mm-hmm. there's something about that where, like, I'm like holding back tears every time I see it. You know, I'm, I'm not crazy about that movie. I, I kind of like like it for what it is and can enjoy it but um but that moment hits me like a ton of bricks in my chest every time
1: so do you like it when they eject the escape pod it actually looks like the falcon after that then like they get rid of that
0: little escape pod yeah i i I like that as well but but it's (laughs) but it's not the same moment like you know when he sits down and it's like this is it this is this is where they become a team like that's a that's a big moment for me
2: you know what they they eject that escape pod but He flies that ship one time and just trashes it. It immediately (laughs) looks exactly like the ship we know.
1: (laughs) I think... uh, So my question to you then is, if that is a moment that you really liked in Solo, how did you feel when Ray sat next to Chewie in the Millennium Falcon at the end of Force Awakens?
0: Mm. So here's the thing with my... my, Like, I can get into the woods on this. Uh, And I'm up on spoilers. So... There, it's, it's seeming to me that, and at the risk of being, I won't, I won't spoil anything, Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it is becoming more apparent that they may have shot a couple of ways to end nine.
1: Mm -hmm. There
0: may be a couple different endings to that movie and then they were testing it and seeing which one they wanted to go with. Um, it's also seeming like one of those tests was that she was going to be a solo, Okay, and it—I don't think that's the way they're going to go, honestly, at this point anymore. But yeah. I think it's the logical way to go. And if they did go that way, stuff like her sitting next to Chewie in the cockpit feels entirely different to me.
1: And being understand, being able to understand Chewbacca, which historically yep. only few people in the yep. galaxy can even understand the Whoopies.
0: Instinctively knows her way around the Falcon. You know, a yep. lot of stuff to that. Um, so, uh, let's talk about how you feel about Rebels.
1: Um, I actually have not gotten to watch that much of Rebels. Um, so historically wise, this is the, this is the point in my life where my teaching career kind of starts. So my time to watch TV shows has diminished and I've watched parts of it. I've watched probably, I don't know how this works. I ended up watching probably the last two seasons, and really didn't watch the earlier stuff, so I was I'm up on the stuff with Maul and Ezra and Obi-Wan finally killing Maul. Like I'm I'm up on oh wait, I'm I'm not, that's Rebels, right? That is yeah. Rebels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm 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 up on that point when Ahsoka comes back and uh yeah, so I I'm up to date on all that stuff. Okay. Um I think when I first started watching that show, because I remember watching the first season, I wasn't that interested. I think that show struggled the first few seasons. I agree. Um, I think it's because when you look at it in juxtaposition to the Clone Wars cartoon show, you're watching the Clone Wars with characters you already know. They're Correct. established. You're already bought into Anakin. You're bought into Obi-Wan. You're bought into the Jedi and the Clone Wars.
0: And, you're familiar, and with the, yeah, shrunk- you're familiar with the world as well. Right.
1: And now you're trying to build something new with characters you don't know under the assumption that Vader has already killed most of the Jedi. But here we go. We have uh, a Jedi, not a full Jedi Knight, and then taking on Ezra as an apprentice. And it just seems I mean, it's not like that doesn't bother me. I mean, the, obviously, Vader can't kill all the Jedi and, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, just it, it's hard to. It's a hard buy-in for me right at the start. I Because to me, and it's a, it goes back to what you talked about earlier, uh, yeah, I grew up watching the original Star Wars films as a kid, but the first true iteration I have with Star Wars on the big screen is the prequel trilogy and the re-release of the other movies and putting a beak on the uh, Sarlacc pit, which was weird. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> right. Uh, did you see, cause you said, uh, se- seasons three and four, and I agree with you that I don't think that show got its footing until halfway through the second season. Um, right. but I also, I feel the same way about Clone Wars and I might move Clone Wars to season three before it actually really mm-hmm. settles, settles in. Um, but did you see the scene where Vader and Ahsoka fight? Because that's at the end. Yes. Of the okay. Okay. So, so to me, from that point forward, is the meat of that series. So that I would was say an
1: emotional pull 100%. that I was actually kind of not ready for when she slices open Vader's mask and you can see Anakin's face, and you're yep. like, "Oh my god!" Yep. Okay, so she gets the understanding even before anybody else does that Anakin is still in there somewhere. Yep. Like. Vader has not completely won over Anakin just yet. 100%. And, um I think that's a very I think what they may have ended up doing this is very this is going to sound weird. Um the reason why they introduced things like that and they introduced Thrawn into the shows because it's going to get older Star Wars fans that know things back into the show. And I think it's a very good because it's it's well established that there's always that conflict between Vader and Anakin and who wins at the final battle at the end and we know that George Lucas has always stated that Star Wars is the story of Anakin Skywalker. Right. So, and that I wonder how that's going to play out in episode 9 because are they still following George Lucas's vision where the story of Star Wars is Anakin Skywalker. It's right. not Luke, it's not Han, it's not Leia, it's the story of Anakin. Right. So, how does Anakin's story end in episode 9? I mean, well it's just I I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm all you. over the place with thoughts on this. No,
0: I, I I hear you there. I hear you there. Um, but yeah, I, I would say you're probably good. On I mean, you can watch the other stuff from Rebels if, if you'd like. You know, don't, mm. there's no harm. But I think you have the the kind of the the real essence of it under your belt. So mm. speaking of episode nine, where is your excitement level? What are your thoughts kind of leading up into that?
1: Um, the part, Okay, so. I, I try to steer away from spoilers as much as possible. Cause I that's just the way I am. Um, I whenever Ian McDermott is close to Star Wars, I'm excited. That to me, he is just one of those classic Star Wars actors. Palpatine and Sidious. I mean, if you believe the now that Legends is gone, Sidious is one of the most powerful Force beings in the his, in the history of Star Wars. Right. One of them, right? And So hearing that Sidious cackle, you automatically start, to me, I think was, you know, if Luke could force project himself, is it possible Sidious didn't die? And was he force projecting himself into Snoke? Like, you know, what, what is, what is the, what is the story that's being told with Ian McDermott coming back? Why are they showing remnants of the Death Star? sitting in an ocean after it's been destroyed, you right, know, right, right. what, what is the story point they're going to try and tell with episode nine? Um, I think what would disappoint me the most is if Ray is a descendant of Sidious,
0: yeah, that would probably yeah.
1: disappoint me the most. Cause to me, that seems like it's the most obvious thing they could do. And if they're going to go the most obvious route, that just disappoints me okay. for some reason.
0: So, uh, as we close up the shows, we like to do a couple little kind of rapid fire type questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gort, do you have any? Yes, I do. Why't oh, Why don't you start and I'll, I'll come behind you, so to speak.. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna leave that one
1: where it is like it's it's a very <laughs> it's a
0: very competitive sport that sort of talk around here so we, we our so to speak is like the disclaimer right after. You, right. Like, my and my wife is terrible at it like oh my god dude like like we'll, we'll, we'll be we'll be sitting um we'll be sitting at the dinner table she'll say the worst things ever like like she'll like you know something good we're gonna have something like a tasty pasta or something for dinner and she'll be like oh, i can't wait to get that in my mouth and i'll just look at her <laughs> know, are you going to so to speak that or what anyway uh, go ahead Gord alright so I'm going to start
2: with my classic here uh, what is your favorite lightsaber color
1: oh well that's going to be one that's going to be purple because Mace Windu is awesome
2: good choice that's my favorite as well yeah. if you had to destroy a ship because you just don't like it what would it be <laughs> like destroy it from being in Star Wars
1: ever oh god um shoot rebel Ewing hmm. don't like it interesting don't like it I'm happy it got destroyed
2: okay <laughs> what what is the worst moment in the Empire Strikes Back
1: in the Empire Strikes Back oh god Good uh, question. where Leia kisses her brother <laughs> <laughs> That's <a> good answer <laughs> what
2: what is the best moment in the Clone Wars
1: Oh, in the TV show, The Clone Wars? Yes. Oh, boy. Um, Oh, God. You're making me choose just one. You're evil. Um, hmm. I really like the uh, uh, Camino sequence where the troopers are fighting to protect their home, Mm. where they're being made.
2: Okay. That's season three, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, how many Jawas does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, the world will never know. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's
2: <laughs> fair. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting <laughs> 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 Um What would a Sith Lord make with an easy bake oven?
1: Oh, you're an asshole. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, brownies screw you, that's what that's what I got
2: made fun of for. <laughs> Easy Bake Oven a, is, a, is a long... I, I had to do it. It's an ongoing joke. Um, what is the best Lego set? Best Star Wars Lego set.
1: Oh, God. The Incomplete Death Star. That is the best one. And it's the one I want the most, but it's like $5,000 on eBay. Mm. That is the best one they do not make ultimate collector sets like they used to. That one is so cool. <laughs> I and
2: mean, we might know a couple people with that.
0: That's true.
1: Is that it? All is right. That what it
0: you got. All right uh, who is your favorite Jedi?
1: Favorite Jedi?
0: Hmm.
1: Well, I'm just going to go with Anakin
0: because
1: okay. he's still my favorite.
0: <laughs> so let me ask, it uh, might be the same answer, favorite Sith Lord.
1: Favorite Sith Lord? Oh, it's got to be Sidious. Okay. I love Sidious. I love, I love the subvert, the subvert way he fooled the entire Republic. I love it.
0: Yeah. Uh, favorite Jedi duel, or lightsaber duel? Um, I should say.
1: Oh, that. Well, oh, God, does it have to? Can it? Can it be Anakin Obi Wan? Like that's just that's okay. gonna be certainly. That that that's my yeah that that fight in Episode Three is gonna be my favorite forever. It just is.
0: <laughs> favorite non Force user.
1: Favorite non-force user.
0: Hmm, Chewbacca. I, I like that answer. Uh, I'm going to ask this question, and I'm wording it a very specific way. Uh, okay. Gort and I are kind of in agreement that there's enough kind of negative nonsense out there regarding this franchise, and a fair amount of it unearned. Um, so we're, we're we're everything that we try to do Star Wars content-wise, positivity is important mm-hmm. in how we approach it. With that being said, what is your least favorite Star Wars film? Least favorite Star Wars film. Oh. Probably
1: Attack of the Clones.
0: And your favorite?
1: Favorite? Mm, it's gonna, Revenge of the Sith. I'm not mad it's at It's probably that.
0: my favorite. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. And with that, I think that that is everything. Gord, do you have anything else that you want to add before we get out of here? No, that's it uh real quick. This is a open kind of forum, so if anybody mm. listening wants to be a guest, it's as simple as contacting us and letting us know we should set up a email. But for the time being, you can email uh nerd rage radio at nerdrage radio mail at gmail dot com uh, or you can PM, actually that might even be preferred, PM the Force Sensitive Facebook page, and we'll add you to the list. Uh, anybody supporting the Nerd Rage Patreon obviously gets uh, preferential treatment and is moved to the top of the list as quickly as possible. That being said, I think that'll do it, and we haven't had a uh, an outro pick yet. So um, anything you'd like to say to close out, Michael?
1: Uh, if any of you are, this is just, gonna be me here um you obviously i like the prequel films and i'll probably get criticized for liking hayden somewhat liking hayden christian playing anakin uh go back and just think about how the jedi are taught to be peaceful and non-emotional and then again look at how hayden christian plays that anakin character about how his main complaint is always he's non emotional he doesn't show any emotion on his face and then Watch when he actually explodes in the Vader and watch how awesome he actually becomes when he mm. divulges in the Vader and all the emotions finally come out. It's like turning a dripping faucet on full blast. So, I mean, that, that gave me a new appreciation for Hayden when I kind of thought about it that way.
0: <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Till next time. It'll be probably two weeks before the next episode. Take care.